Good day to you. Hope you have hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in 1 Corinthians. We are ready to read chapter 9. Now in chapter 8, Paul spoke about um, having the freedom to eat food from idols, but that while we have all these freedoms to, to do these things and to eat these different foods, that we don't want to do anything to offend others. So, you know, we don't want to cause them to sin, and uh, we don't want to cause them to have any sort of um, temptations or cause them to stumble in any way. And by them, I mean we don't want to cause others, maybe new Christians or maybe weaker Christians, we don't want them to stumble and, and be made to sin because we do something that they don't understand and they don't know, just because we know that it's okay to do that. So, in my opinion, we should be teaching them so that they would know, but then we could also abstain if, if they don't understand, or while we're teaching them, we would just abstain and not do that, <clears throat> so as not to offend or possibly cause them any sort of issue or stumbling block. So then we're ready to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and uh, this is an interesting thing. Paul is kind of switching gears. He starts off with a little talk about freedom, but uh, then he's changing gears here. It's like someone possibly asked about financial support or something for him. We're going to read this and see. I kind of read through it, but... Um, <clears throat> But I don't know. This just seems seems like Paul is changing subjects here. Uh, well, he is changing subjects, but uh, he's going to speak a lot about I think his ministry and the way <clears throat> the way this works. So again, this is First Corinthians chapter nine, and starting in verse one. Am I not free, unrestrained, and exempt from any obligation? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus, our risen Lord, in person? See, Paul knows that the original apostles, the ones that were considered apostles, they had seen the Lord in person. They had been with him. Now, Paul is kind of an exception, but he did see the Lord on the road to Damascus. He did see him in person. Are you not the result and proof of my work in the Lord? If I am not considered an apostle to others, at least I am one to you. For you are the seal and the certificate and the living evidence of my apostleship in the Lord, confirming and authenticating it. Basically, he's saying, like I like to say sometimes, the proof is in the pudding. You know, the results is what matters. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to use some bad thing to justify bad actions. But I'm saying that he's saying... They are the results of his work in the Lord, and that they are proof that he's an apostle, that he came and he preached to them. So they are, they are proof and living evidence of his being an apostle. Okay, so this is my defense to those who would put me on trial and interrogate me concerning my authority as an apostle. Okay, so it sounds like they're questioning, questioning whether or not he really is an apostle, because he came along... Uh, you know, a good bit after the other apostles and after Jesus had uh, ascended back to heaven. Have we not the right to our food and drink at the expense of the churches? 
so this sounds like have we not the right to be supported by the churches that we're caring for and tending to have we not the right to take along with us a believing wife as the as do the rest of the apostles and the Lord's brothers and Cephas Peter or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to stop doing manual labor in order to support our ministry so Barnabas and Paul it seems like they're working a trade as they go is my understanding here so they're kind of supporting their own ministry and they're not really asking a lot from the from the churches that's the way this sounds let's continue consider this who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock so he's saying well this makes sense especially the soldier one if you think about it you know who at any time serves as a, as a soldier at his own expense that you don't get paid to be a soldier but instead you would be a soldier and you just pay in your own way and who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit well of course you eat its fruit and who tends a flock and does not of course you do I mean these are these are rhetorical but at the same time he's making the point that um, you know these ministers they're they're going around ministering to the churches they should also you know be able to have some um, some means some something from from them do I say these things only from a man's perspective does the law not endorse the same principles for it is written in the law of Moses you shall not muzzle an ox you shall not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain to keep it from eating the grain in other words in other words while it's working you should not muzzle it you should let it eat if it needs to eat so it can continue to work that's the same thing same principle he's getting at with these with the ministers with the apostles with them ministering to the churches um, they should the churches should try to support them in those efforts so that they can continue to eat and continue to work you get the idea it's a kind of a revolving cycle Is it only for oxen that God cares, or does he speak entirely for our sake? Yes, it was written for our sake. The plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in the hope of sharing the harvest. So, that makes sense. You know, whoever is plowing the field, they're planning on sharing in the harvest. And the same for the thresher. If we have sown the good seed of spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share in this rightful claim over you, do not we even more? However, we did not exercise this right, but we put up with everything so that we will not hinder the spread of the good news of Christ. Do you not know that those who officiate in the sacred services of the temple eat from the temple offerings of meat and bread and those who regularly attend the altar have their share from the offerings brought to the altar so also on the same principle the Lord directed those who preach the gospel to get their living from the gospel now so the idea is let's let's back up here just a moment now he says 
that if we have sown the good seed of spiritual things, is it too much to reap material things? He's just meaning, you know, is it too much to expect? Basically, let's get down to brass tacks. Is it too much to expect just an offering to just help us survive, to help us live, to continue to work? Now, he's not looking to get rich. It's not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not a take-advantage-of-people thing. It's just like, you know, can you supply us with enough just to keep us going? Now, Paul and Barnabas, I think they were working with their hands. They were doing some sort of trade as they traveled and did things. And because he mentioned that they were really able to support themselves largely. Um, but at times, they might, they might need a little injection, a little offering to help get them through a rough spell. Who knows? Because they're traveling and teaching. And he says, however, we did not exercise this right. But we put up with everything so that we will not hinder the spread of the good news of Christ. In other words, they sacrificed possibly um, a little bit of a donation to them or an offering um, and not, not getting an offering and they, they worked to pay their own way so that they would not hinder the spread of the, the gospel, so that they would not you know offend anyone or cause any issue and they would just support themselves and continue to do that. And then he mentions those who perform the services at the temple, in the temple, they would eat. They would eat of the things brought to the altar. They were supposed to. That's part of what they were supposed to do. Um, that's part of how they were supposed to survive. The Levites would be eating, you know, part of the uh, <clears throat> sacrifices and things. And it was not considered a bad thing. That was what they were supposed to do. So also, on the same principle, the Lord directed those who preach the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So an offering would be taken up. You know, I don't know if that's how they did it back then. I don't know exactly how these folks did it. Um, our example nowadays, what we do is we tend to have an offering every, every week. And if we have a, you know, like we pay our, uh, we pay our preacher from that, we pay... Um, if we had a guest speaker, we would pay them from that. We pay all our church's bills through those offerings. And uh, I don't know of anyone who complains about that, though. So these people must have had some question or some complaint about why why these things happen or why this was happening. <clears throat> Paul doesn't say exactly what the question was, but it sounds like there was a question about um, why would we give an offering to you or are you really an apostle or both, you know? <clears throat> so, pardon me. So we're going to continue. But I have used none of these privileges, nor, let's see, I, but I have used none of these privileges, nor am I writing this to suggest that any such provision be made for me now. For it would be better for me to die than to have anyone deprive me of my boast in this matter of financial support. Now, he's not talking about um, really boasting so much as he is talking about. He's, he is proud of the fact that he can support himself. Okay? And that he doesn't have to take money from the congregations. For if I merely preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast about, for I am compelled, that is absolutely obligated to do it. 
Woe to me if I do not preach the good news of salvation. Because that's his job. He's saying, this is what I'm required to do. This is my job. For if I do this work of my own free will, then I have a reward. Um, but it, but if it is not of my will, but by God's choosing, I have been entrusted with a sacred stewardship. So in other words, if he chooses to do this work of his own free will, then he has his reward. But if it is not of his will, but it's God's choosing, then he has been entrusted with a sacred stewardship. What then is my reward? Just this, that when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge to everyone, so as to not take advantage of my rights as a preacher and apostle in preaching the gospel. So he's doing this so that he's not, so that he can offer this without charge to everyone. He doesn't want anyone to feel like they have to pay or like they have to make an offering to him to preach and teach the gospel. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to everyone so that I may win more for Christ. To the Jews I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews from Christ, for Christ. Two men under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being under the law myself, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without, outside the law, I became as one without the law. Though I am not without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without law. Here again, he's, he's trying to relate that he's trying to, well, Okay, he's trying to relate to everyone. You know, as a Jew, he relates to them as a Jew. This is how he tries to speak to people to get them to come to Christ. So he's saying that he tries to relate to each of them under their own terms. And um, I think uh, there's a note here It says um, that... Uh, it seems like Paul may have been speaking to some spiritually immature people and they had certain questions about some things and so he's saying that uh, you know he abstained from any practice even though he knew it was acceptable for him to do it he abstained from those practices so as to not offend his audience and so he wouldn't accidentally be like a bad example for them because they would not necessarily know that he was actually free to do that. So the, to the weak, I became as the weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that I may by all means in any and every way save some by leading them to faith in Jesus Christ. And I do all things along with you. Now, here again, he's just relating, he's just telling them how he relates to people, how he, how he does, he tries to relate to them in uh, such a way as to not offend them or to put them off so that they will listen to him so that he can win them to Christ. You know, you don't go into a, uh, a vegetarian um, Let's say you go to a vegetarian conference and you don't go in there and order a big old fat juicy steak and then try to talk to them about, 
<laughs> you know, about things like that. I mean, you know, you don't want to offend them. You don't want to, you know, you want to be able to talk to them. So you come in and you, and you, uh, you know, you abstain. Even though you know there's nothing wrong with it, you abstain from doing that so that you can talk to them without offense and without setting up any, any bad, uh, feelings or, uh, bad, uh, bad uh, representation, I'm trying to think of a bad influence, bad uh, impression. So you don't, you know, you don't want to accidentally make a bad impression. So, so basically he's saying he's knowing his audience and he's coming to his audience on their terms so that he can explain the gospel of Christ to them. It's valuable to think about it that way, and that's that's how you need to. It's it's different when you talk to a child. You need to talk to them differently than you do an adult, and etc. You get the idea. So now he's going to move on in verse twenty-four. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run their very best to win, but only one receives the prize? Now he's talking about this because uh, near Corinth. There was some games that were held. It was like a major athletic event that they did, and they would they would understand this. These references that he's making because there was a sporting event there. Corinth was a pretty big port town, so it you know maybe maybe I should say city. Um, anyway, so they had some stuff like that there. All right, but only one receives the prize. Run your race in such a way that you may seize the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training and competes in the games is disciplined and exercises self-control in all things. They do it to win a crown that withers. And their crown would have been like a, made of maybe pine or it would have been made of some bow or bough of you know, some little limb or twigs or whatever, um, you know, it would be a little woven wreath, that's what I'm thinking of, that like they did on their heads. So they do it to win a crown that withers, but we do it to receive an imperishable crown that cannot wither, and that is, you know, the crown of life from God. So, because now he's comparing a race to our walk with God, with the Lord. He's comparing that to a race. Because you have to be disciplined, you have to work at it every day, you have to uh, prepare yourself every day, and you have to make effort and strive every day to, to prepare yourself and to run the race to get to the finish line and to receive your reward. Okay, so therefore, I do not run without a definite goal. I do not flail around like one beat in the air and says just shadow boxing, you know, just flailing around. And I, I think instead of shadow boxing, he really meant, I know this puts that in there and maybe that's what they were thinking, but he's saying I do not flail around like one beat in the air, like just someone just, just you know, just flailing around in the air. But, like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified, disqualified as unfit for service. So he's trying to make sure that he is a fit example, and that he is striving every day, working towards that goal, 
of getting to the finish line and receiving the crown of life from God. And he's telling them this as an example because we have to do that. We're like, we have to do that as like almost a spiritual um, athlete. We have to work at it every day, practice at it every day, study on it, work on our technique, <laughs> um, do what, you know, what we need to do to stay in the race to keep running. Because it's not, I'll tell you, it's not a sprint. It's, it's a, it's a long distance more than a marathon. It's, it's, it's a long distance run. And spiritually speaking, we just, you know, we have to keep working at it every day and keep uh, building up our endurance and keep learning better techniques and better ways to continue down that path following the Lord. So, so that's a good example of that. So I'm not exactly, like I say, I'm not exactly sure of the answer, the questions they asked Paul, but it sounds like they had definitely asked about his being an apostle and about how, you know, should money be given to the ministers as they come through. And it seems like they should. Basically, he was saying that, yeah, you know, you should supply for the one that's coming through and preaching the gospel to you. And then he talks about running the race. I'm not 100% sure how that relates to the other um, right now. But he is explaining to them how we're all in this race and we're all running to do the best we can to get the, the prize. And that like an athlete, we're, we need to work and exercise ourselves every day. You know, our spiritual selves, not our physical selves. But this is talking, um, while it's being compared to a physical thing, it's really talking about a spiritual exercise. So, alright, so that has been 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Hope you have a wonderful day. Remember to stay safe. And remember that God loves you.